chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, you have your Bibles. Acts chapter 18. So, chapter 18 is like a whirlwind. Alright, if uh, you guys were here last week, remember, you know, Paul, you know, he's traveling. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla, they're traveling, right? They, they all end up in a new city, Corinth. Uh, people are relocating, right? We've got a lot of names. Um, so, before we dive into the second half of chapter 18, which we're going to focus on today, I'm just going to kind of wrap up the first half. So those three people, Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla, they're, um, they're Christians, and they're making tents. That's their job in the city. That, that's the way they earn money. They, they get a living. Um, that's how they're able to have some money so they can you know, share and, and uh, bless others. Corinth, remember, this was a city that was booming. It was bustling. Right? It, was, uh, it was a big city, and um, kind of like you know, Silicon Valley. Uh, but it was also filled with darkness. It was, uh, it was a, a place of destruction. The door were just... Destroying themselves, they were degrading. Um, there, there was a ton of idols, right? There's sexual immorality, and people just did whatever they wanted, whatever was right in their own eyes. And Paul, he took the opportunity uh, to bring Christ into Corinth. In, in whatever situation he was in, through his job, um, through, through through his Sabbath, he was able to go to the synagogue to talk with people about Jesus. But then a little while later we read, uh, if you can follow along with me in verse 5, it says, When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Right, but when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So, when, um, when Silas and Timothy they came, we know from other books of the Bible that they um, might have brought gifts, or some, some money that people donated, churches that he visited in the past, they went to support Paul's mission, so they donated, and because of that, he was able to fully um, use all his energy, his time, uh, to, to talk to people, to share the good news, to go to the synagogue more. And uh, how did that turn out, though? Right? How did that turn out? In, chapter, in verse 6, it, it didn't turn out very well, right? Based on what we read, uh, they opposed him and they became abusive. And we know that this, this guy, Paul, he's a guy that, he loves the Jewish people. Right? These are his people. He wants them to be saved. He desires that. But at the same time, the Jews are the very people that want to kill him, that want to put him in prison, that want to get him to, to kind of be quiet. To stop talking about Jesus. And oftentimes we'll see that they would even chase him into the next city. They'll hear about what he's doing and they'll run over there and they start praying. They want to cause a riot and get Paul in trouble. And Paul, he's this guy that feels conflict with his mission. He feels tension. He's like, man, I love my people, these Jews, but at the same time, like, man, they hate me and... And there are these Gentiles, and I'm supposed to go to the Gentiles. So he wrestles with that. So sometimes he'll say, like, hey, I'm out. But sometimes the next time he goes to another city, he goes to the synagogue, right? So he's this guy that kind of struggles with that. And what happens, right, in verse 7, once he leaves, right, when he leaves? He says, then Paul went to the synagogue. I'm oh, sorry, then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of uh, Titius Justice, right, worshiper of God. 
And Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. So he leaves the synagogue, he goes next door, and things go great. And he comes to meet a man who believes in Jesus, and then somehow the synagogue leader, like, after he leaves, then he believes. That's really strange, and not only that, but his entire household. And as a result, many Corinthians who heard him believed. Paul saw the people of Corinth that they needed Jesus. So he was a voice. So this Bay Area, I, I, did, I did some research. So I think uh, in 2010, the census showed that there were 7 million people in the Bay Area. 7 million people. So that's, you know, that's a long time ago. That's nine years ago. And as you guys know, this place has only been you know, increasing population. Of course, like people move out and all that. But... Generally, it's been increasing. Yes, it has been increasing more slowly, but it's still been increasing. So you'll see, like, you know, a lot more cars, more apartments, you know, the um, and all of those things. Um, so Paul, he stays to teach them for a year and a half. He, uh, he oh, sorry, I, I'm going ahead of myself. So let me finish. Let me finish this. Uh, so on verse nine, he says, "One night, the, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision." Uh, this isn't the first time, right? The, remember the vision where there's a Macedonian man? He was like, come, come over to us. Like, we need to hear this message. And that, that's how Paul went. He says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. So God is speaking. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. Right, so Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Right, why Galileo, the proconsul of uh, Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul, so the Jews are attacking Paul again, and brought him into court. They, uh, they charged this man, saying, he's persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to the Jews, if you Jews were making a complaint about some uh, misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names of your own law, right, the, we're, going to, we're talking about like the, the Torah, uh, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. Then they turned all on uh, Sophonis, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Galileo showed no concern, uh, whatever. So Paul, he stayed to teach them for a year and a half. So what was so important, what was so crucial, what was so necessary that Paul needed to stay there for so long? Because we know that Paul didn't always stay in the city for that long. Sometimes he only stay there a few days, maybe he stay there a few weeks or a few months. But this time he's staying for quite a long time. What's so important? What, what, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Just, just shout it out. Why did Paul stay there for so long? Verse 11, you guys. Why did Paul stay there for a year and a half? Yes, yes. All right, it's right there, guys. Don't, don't be shy. Don't be shy. So the teachings of Jesus needed to be taught back then, and they even more so now, because we live in a time that's culturally different. I've right, talked about this before. It's culturally different. It's geographically different. It's linguistically different. And most of the times, we have little idea about these cities that we're reading about, unless, you know, our world geography is just like, and world history is all, like, you know, really good. Um, sometimes reading the names in the Bible can be very embarrassing. 
Uh, sometimes when I'm up here reading, I'm like, oh, like, oh man, I, I just, man, I, I, I messed up there. So it, it can be really difficult. Um, sometimes when we really read through those, like, um, those genealogies, it's like, and this, and the son of this, and the son of who, and the son of blah, blah, and they're like, oh, like, that name's really weird and stuff. Um, right, and most of the time, like, we don't really know why the city's important, why the geography's important, why this lake or river or mountain, what that, you know, provided for the people, where all those things. And essentially, the Bible's made up of words, right? This language that also changes and evolves over time. And last night, I was talking with the youth during family time, and I was like, hey guys, you know, have you ever tried to explain, or, I mean, have you ever tried to show your parents a meme? Have you ever tried to show the parents a meme? And, and, and they just like, they started, started laughing, and then, uh, and then they understood, because it's like, it's, it's, it's a different form of communication. Right? The parents didn't have that back then. Um, and there was like, even like, uh, a video I was watching about like, someone trying to explain a meme, and, and they would show the parent, and the parent would be like, so why does it say you and me? Why, why, who took the photo? And like, why are they dressed like that? And like, like, you know, and then, like, at the end, you know, the child's just, like, so frustrated, just, like, forget about it, you know, like, it's okay, like, it's not important, you know, so, like, it's different, it's different. And I know that the Bible can also be difficult to understand, it can be difficult to interpret, it can be difficult to keep up with, right, because the Bible is not necessarily a thin book, right, this book has about, like, a th- over a thousand pages, a two thousand pages right here, and it's easy to get lost. And when it gets when it's too difficult, it's too tedious, too tiring, then we just kind of like give up. We lose passion. So that's why recently in our young adults group and um, our family time, we've just been going through the basics. Like, what is the Bible? Where did it come from? Who wrote it? Why was it written? Um, what is the what is the overarching story of the Bible? Like, we, we see so many, so many stories, 66 books, but how do they all connect together? That's what we've been going through during our gathering times. Right, why are there so many translations? Like, did we got, like, you know, within, like, maybe, like, if you ask ten people, we might have, like, five different translations. You know, got ESV, you know, NIV, KJV, right, NASV, you got so many. Like, which one do we use? And we've been talking about how the story of God, right, who made all things for his glory, uses these little stories to talk about himself. So today during lunch, okay, if you're, if you're a parent, today during lunchtime at 1.15, we, uh, we have our parent lunch in. Uh, and I hope you'll be able to join because we're going to be going through some things that uh, we've been sharing with your child. And I think it'll be really good if you stick around for that. Um, yeah, so just, you know, think about it, think about that. So let's, let's continue in verse 9, though. No, actually, no, we're already past that, verse 9. So we, uh, we know that, in short... Because God is with Paul, because God is with Paul, Paul has no need to fear. In that vision, God says, I am with you. So keep sharing, keep speaking the good news. And interestingly, through this passage, we know that God used the Roman government to protect Paul. That sharing the gospel and was not a crime. That God is with them. And for us in America, we have freedom of speech, right? We have freedom of religion. We can practice. We can talk. Sure, you have to, you know, uh, be wise, right? Be considerate. You know, people don't want to listen. You know, don't, like, shove it on them. Don't force them, right? 
But here in America, we have a privilege. We're protected by our government, by our laws. And we won't be imprisoned by sharing the gospel. Or we won't be fined. Yes, right, you have to be wise. You have to understand the context. But we can do that. So we should use that. So when I was out in Texas studying in seminary, I attended a church much like this. It was Chinese-English um, combined. And the, the pastor of the English congregation, he was a Caucasian guy, white guy. And he, he was married to an Asian woman. And uh, I expressed interest in helping out at the youth ministry, which involved, you know, meeting with several people, working together, right, planning together, dreaming together. And, and I was interested, and he knew that, and he asked me this question one day. He said, Phil, are you fat? And I was like, I was really confused. I'm thinking, like, is this a wise person's joke? Like, I don't know how to respond right now. Um, and then he, he knew I was kind of confused. So that I was, it's like, he's like, Phil, are you, are you faithful, are you available, and are you teachable? And I was like, okay, yeah, like, uh, you know, maybe, I think, I think so, I hope so. You see, he wanted someone on his team that was a team player. Like, he wanted someone that wasn't a flake. Like, he wanted someone that would stay when things got hard, who would, who would fight and, and, and through the hard times. He wanted someone who made time for others, who wasn't always too busy, or to chat, to, to have fun, to share a meal, or stay connected. And last of, uh, last of all, he wanted someone that was willing to learn. Someone who uh, not only had a willingness, but also had a desire. He wanted someone who would listen, and who wouldn't just try to make excuses and all the time. And, and, but he wanted someone with a good attitude, who would receive correction. And as you see, these character traits not only reflect the traits of a good teammate, right? This, this is probably someone that you want on your team, right? On your project. Uh, someone you want, you want on your sports team or something like that. Um, but this is, this is also describes a Christian, which is a disciple, and by definition, a learner. Right? A disciple of Jesus is one who learns from Jesus. And what we have to learn from Jesus is found in the Bible because, you know, Jesus isn't, isn't, you know, present here physically with us today like he was back then. So how do we know what God's will is? How do we know what Jesus taught? It's in the Bible. So that's why it's so important to understand how to read the Bible, right? So let's pick up in verse 18. We're going to read about someone who was a good learner. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at uh, Sancria uh, because of a vow he had taken. Um, they arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He, w- he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Right? So remember, he was like, uh, I, you know, forget the Jews. Like, I'm, going, I, I'm, I'm out, you know. But then, look, he's back with the Jews again. Right? Then, they, uh, when they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised... I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. So these are all places that he's been already. Uh, Antioch was a church that kind of sent him out on his mission. And after spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, uh, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. So, uh, so we know there's a man, his name is Apollos, he's a Jew, and he's a native of the city, which is the capital of Egypt at that time. It was founded by Alexander the Great, 
And Alexandria was designed as this very important port city of Egypt. It was located on the Nile Delta, western edge. And at the same time, it was a city uh, that was designed for learning. Okay? It was, had a really rich history. It was, it was culturally rich, and man, people were just like, they were like, you know, really smart. And had a really, really big library as well. And we see here that Apollos arrived, and Priscilla and Aquila met him. Let's read it. So Apollos, he was a learned man, right? A man thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fever, a fervor, and taught about the Jews accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Paul and Aquila heard him. They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who, by grace, and believe. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So Apollos, he knew about Jesus. He knew. In fact, it says that he even had a thorough knowledge. He knew quite well. He was well trained. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. And he was even bold enough to talk about that, to share about that with people. What we see here is that his knowledge was, although it was pretty wide, it was also incomplete. Because he only knew about the baptism of John. So Priscilla and Aquila invited him into their home. Probably they didn't want to embarrass him. Right? They want to talk with him privately. So this is a good thing if you want to do that. If you, if you see someone, you know, sharing something and like, you don't think it's quite right, talk to them in private, you know. Just, you don't need to embarrass them like in front of everyone. And this is what they did. They took him into their home and they explained the scriptures to him more fully. You see, Priscilla and Aquila, they were ordinary people, right? They probably made tents once they went to Ephesus. And they took it upon themselves. They saw it was their responsibility as Christians. It was their, they saw it was their disciple, uh, uh, responsibility to disciple, to teach. They saw that it was their responsibility to fulfill this rule of God's grand story to reach the world with the gospel. Right? They didn't have a seminary degree. Okay? They, it, it, it never says that they wrote a book. It never says that well, they uh, had like... You know, they, they preached or they had evangel- uh, evangelistic like revivals or anything. They didn't lead anything like that. They're just ordinary people. In fact, it never even mentions how old they were. But it does say that this couple, even though they moved to a different city, they were still living it out for Christ. Now, I think it would be really awesome to kind of see more of that here as well, where each one of us sees ourselves as Hey, I can do that too. I can do that too. It's not like I don't have to be a certain age. I don't need to pass a certain test or, or like, you know, be better than someone. Then I can do that. You know, right here and right now, we can all do that. You don't have to be able to stand up here to do that. It could be during lunchtime. It could be through text, a phone call. It could be just through chatting or whatever. It could be hanging out. Those are all opportunities in which we can teach one another. 
These are all opportunities where we can learn from each other. Alright, uh, was it last night? No, Friday night. Friday night, I went over to a friend's house, and um, you know, he, he, uh, he got engaged a little while ago, and we're just kind of planning for his wedding and stuff. And uh, so, so they're newly engaged, and um, I had some uh, uh, his other bridegroom and his wife were there as well. They got engaged a little while earlier, so you know they're all on that, that timeline, and and uh, they're they're sharing with me like you know, hey Phil, like have you considered this or this? You know, have you uh, thought about like what it is to you know, to to care for one another for your future wife and things like that? And they're sharing with me like something from the Bible, and they're just encouraging me right to to follow what the Bible says and. And how, how can you love your spouse in the future? And, and I was asking them questions. It was just like, it was a good time. Like, none of them were pastors, right? None of them were, you know, anything like that. They were just, we're just all ordinary people. And, and we're just learning from one another. And then I, I could share what I'm going through, and they share what they're going through. And it was, it was just a really wonderful time of making disciples right, of one another. So how awesome would it be to see what women, right, men, right, girls and boys following Christ and giving their life to share the gospel with one another, and also to share the, church, the teachings of Jesus. But how can we shine for Jesus in our situation? That's what we've been talking about the, for the last two Sundays. How can we shine for Jesus? How can we live for Jesus? How can we bring Jesus into our context? And I want to show you a picture. Actually, okay, I, I've missed a few pictures already, so maybe I, we can just uh, go through that really quickly. Um, my bad. But here's Alexandria, okay? Uh, I should have showed this a little while back. Okay, so here's like Egypt, right? Alexandria on, on like the port, and then Ephesus right here. So the, so the, so the, the Apollos, he would have had to travel across or go around, probably by boat though. And then the, ne- the next, I think the next slide, yeah, this is just one of the lighthouses, one of the main attractions during that time. And the next one. This, this photo, have you guys seen this photo recently? Online, possibly. Anyone? This photo. So this photo, I think it's actually been gaining some traction um, lately. It's, uh, it's been kind of trending, maybe not as, as, as much as I thought, maybe, because you guys don't know. But this photo has been making some waves recently. So here's, uh, uh, this woman is called Amber. Okay, Amber, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, so G-U-Y-G-E-R, so maybe Geiger, Geiger. And then this, this man over here, his name is Brent uh, John, Brent John, and he's 18 years old, 18 years old. And I want to show you a, a video that's going to explain, in a sense, what happened here. Right, so let's just watch this video together. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just... I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, 
all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone can say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even behalf of my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. happened in uh, 2018 when the trials were going for, you know, like this culture was going on for a while, so it just kind of concluded. Um, and think about that, right? Here's, here's someone that killed your family member. Is this someone that took someone very important away from you? Whether by accident or whether on purpose, Intentionally, with, with, with you know, ill intentions. We don't know. But this, this man, 18 years old, so possibly still in high school or freshman in college, I think he made a great example of what it is to follow Jesus Christ. Because what did Jesus teach? As a follower of Jesus Christ, what, did, what are we supposed to learn? So in Matthew 5, um, verse 43 to 48, it says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, 
Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I love your enemies. Like these, these are the types of people that we would like. His family members like weren't as merciful as him. Uh, some of them felt like it was not right that that she only got like a ten year sentence. They felt like she should have got maybe the maximum. Was, I think it was like a ninety nine years or something. So they weren't as merciful as him. But he was he was the type of the guy that man. I don't want the worst for you, right? I want I want the best for you. In fact, I, I love you. Just like I love anybody else. Whereas other people would say, God punished this person, this person offended, this person should be brought to justice, right? Should should receive punishment. Right? But he says, I don't even want you to go to jail. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive yours. So it's an attitude of the heart here. It's, it's how can we not forgive others when we've been forgiven by God? Where we've been forgiven of all our wrong, our wrong actions, our wrong deeds, our sins. In James 2.13 it says this, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And mercy triumphs over judgment. Or since God judged us with mercy, or we should judge others with mercy as well. In fact, mercy is an act that shows our thanks, giving our thankfulness to God for all the things that He has done. So I don't know this man personally. Like, I never talked to him before. I didn't know he existed before this time. I've never seen him before. But I think everything about this story points to the fact that he really knew God. It points to the fact that he's been born again, that he's a new creation, and, and we know that he's received the love of God. He's received the forgiveness of God through Jesus. He knows how simple his own life was. He even said, you know, like, I've done a lot of things, you know, that, that are wrong and stuff like that, just like you have. He's experienced how good God is. And he says that the best thing would be for you is that you would give your life to Christ. I, it's really strange. Like, I totally did not expect that. You know, I was like, because they didn't really say that on there at first in the, in the title when I was reading it. Just like, you know, uh, this person, you know, forgives. I think it was like ex-cop or something like that. Because she, she got released from her job after this whole thing happened, right? Um, so that, that's all it said. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is like, it came out of nowhere, like, bringing Christ into this conversation. But at the same time, it seemed very appropriate as well. So, like, I think this is, this is really, really awesome. In this, in this time, he, he used this opportunity in his life, which was a terrible, terrible, terrible situation, right? I would never wish this to happen to any of us here. But in this circumstance, in, in, this, in this life, where things happen, right? Things change all the time in our lives. We don't know what's going to happen next. But he used it to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And I think that he must have learned this from somewhere, from someone. And this man is 18 years old. Some of us here... But hitting 18 soon, right? Maybe in like one year or two years, hitting 18 soon. And during this, this message, 
that I was reading the, chat, the comments and chats. The people who aren't even Christian, they couldn't even say anything bad about it, or very little. Some people might have felt like, oh, he's delusional, or like, you know, maybe he has mental illness or something. But there's little room for slander. So I want, to, I want you guys to ask yourselves, is, what is God teaching you recently? What is God trying to teach you? Is it, is it something to do with your character? Is it something to do um, with, with some sin? Are you accepting correction from God? Are you, are you talking about this? Are you sharing this? And, and um, you know, praying that God, hey, God, I, I, want to, I want to follow you. Are you having a posture of receiving the truth? How about when you, when you, do you share this with other people? Do you, do you share, hey, guys, you know, you know, I need help in this situation. No, I'm, I'm going through something, or, or I'm considering something, I'm thinking about something, I want to do this, or do that, or, hey, like, this thing really bothered me when, you know, when, when, when this happened, like, could you guys give me some clarity? What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say anything about this? Maybe there's someone in your circle of influence, your circle of Christian influence, some people that, that need to hear the truth, that need, that need to hear the truth in love. Maybe you see your friend, or you see your family member, or someone, they're not doing something right. Do you take upon that as your responsibility as uh, the follower of Jesus to talk to that person and be like, hey, you know, you said this and I think that you shouldn't have said this or and you did this and that really hurt someone or that really hurt me or like, hey, you know, like something's going on. Like, do you do that? Or do, you, do you care enough to do that? Or do we feel like, oh, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's better not to say something. Maybe that's the, that's a nicer thing or that's the more Christian thing is to not to judge someone or something, right? So my hope is that we as a community, we would, we would do that for one another. For um, we would, like, you know, I, I, have, I have people that, that I meet with that, that, hey, like, I'm not perfect. And I hope you guys know that, that I'm not perfect. Okay? And, and in fact, like, I think being here uh, in this, you know, in just in this community, I'm realizing that, wow, like, I, I'm, you know, I make a lot of mistakes and I mess up a lot and I don't do the right thing, I don't say the right thing, I don't think the right thing sometimes. But I'm learning as well. How to, how to follow Jesus, what's it like to learn about forgiveness. Like, man, when I saw this, I actually teared up a little. And I don't tear up a lot of, about a lot of things. But I teared up a little. I was like, wow, like, wow, like, man, he's 18 and, and he's not a pastor, but like, man, he's learned forgiveness. And I, I want to I be like that. I want to be like that. If this ever happened to me, man, I wish I could do that as well. So let's be like Priscilla and Aquila. Alright, let's 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 teach others, let's take it our responsibility, let's have that love and desire. Let's also be like Apollos, let's be willing to listen and to learn and to grow. And at the same time, he didn't just hold it in, he shared it. So in verse twenty seven it says that he left and he began to teach and to to kind of debate and prove in the scriptures and he began to share. So he didn't just hold what he learned inside, but he actually passed it on. So I wish that's something that we could do as well. And as we come to the communion table, we come in remembrance of the gospel message, of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. This is what we remember. This is what we go and we share with other people about the love of Jesus. We do that because we've received it first. And that's what we, what we do when we come here. We, we come here, we remember what Jesus Christ did for us and how he loved us, how he died for us, and also how he rose again for us. 
And by doing that, he shows that, man, I have the power to overcome sin and death. And I want life for you. I want you to truly live. So when we come, we take the, we take the cup here. It's just grape juice. Where it represents the blood of Jesus Christ. That was poured out for us on the cross. And his blood, it washes away our sins. It makes us pure and white as snow. And we, we talked about righteousness last night. Righteousness shows that we are right before God now. That when God sees us, he sees that you are clean, that we are clean. And that seems really like, oh, like, but am I though? Like, I still do bad things though. But that's because we put our faith in Jesus Christ, no matter what we do, as we, as we try and follow Jesus, no matter what we do, that we are covered. And here we have some crackers. It, it represents the blood of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. His body that was that was whipped, that was beaten, that was spit on. We have that here, and it represents that. And as we come together, we rejoice in the goodness of God, but also we repent of our sins. We ask for forgiveness. If there's anyone that you maybe need to go ask for forgiveness, or you need to make it right with anyone here, that I would actually encourage you to do so before you come here. Because when we come here, we come here as fellowship. Right? So how can you really fellowship with someone if you're like having trouble with someone, right? You don't really do that. In fact, you don't really want to see that person or talk to them. But this is what happens here, is that we come, we reconcile before God and with one another. So if, there's, if you need to do that, if you need some time to pray, do that and then come forward. Um, if you need any assistance, uh, we have that here for you and just let us know and um, yeah, we'll help you out. So uh, take some time to, to pray, talk to somebody or um, yeah, just have a moment with God and one, one another. And let's say together, before we take the bread and the cup, let's say, we are the forgiven. Right? Let's just say that out loud. One, two, three. We are the forgiven. Let's say that together. Since we remain standing as we sing our last song, and during this time,